Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Uh, this V Radio show is going on very early in the afternoon, which means my kids are still romper rooming all over the house. So, um, as it is an impromptu show on a subject that I didn't really research, but I am going to be dealing with. Um, Just expect the possibility that uh, I may at some point have to pause the show for the purpose of dealing with my kids. (laughs) So, um, that being said, uh, today's show, um, uh, basically to deal with um, something that Jen Wilding uh, brought up on the forums, Uh, we are going to be debunking a... uh, blog brought up by Barbed Wire Smile, a uh, former forum uh, user who was banned, apparently. I don't know what she was banned for, but um, given as I remember some of the details of her debate, since I debate with people a lot, uh, you know, good, somebody's got it on IRC. All right, cool. Um, I don't expect as many users this time. This is not exactly what I would call uh, prime time. But um, I'm going to link the blog again in the chat room, meaning the blog that we are debating. This is not my blog, obviously. And um, we will be ready to go. So once again, welcome to the radio. And uh, thank everybody for their donations. I think we're like $8 short of the goal today, um, which is not going to kill us or anything. But... um, Anyway, actually, I'm going to link the forum post itself, since that has the blog and the link to the show in it, in case anybody needs to give it out. All right. Um, Now, Barbed Wire Smile, uh, I believe, is an anarchist. Uh, Her blog is entitled Anti-Status in the Classic American Sense of the Term. Um, And she entitles her blog Dialogues with the Venus Project, i.e. the Zeitgeist Movement, started January uh, 31st at the beginning of this year, 2009. Uh, Many of you have probably seen the movie Zeitgeist. This is me reading her. For those who have not, simply put uh, this term into your search engine and you can watch the movie online. Like many of you, the criticisms of fiat currency, fractional reserve lending, and the state really resonated with me. While doing some research, I happened across the website for the Zeitgeist Movement and was intrigued. So I went into the site and started reading Uh, Once I dug deeper, specifically in regards to something called the Venus Project, I was shocked at what I discovered. I will leave it to my readers to do the research on the Zeitgeist Movement and the Venus Project. Well, I hope your readers do. (laughs) What I read of this stuff, it's all crap. But anyway, what what follows are excerpts from a debate I attempted with several of their members. I thought these snapshots might eludicate or elucidate the sad state of dialogue as it regards to problems so many perceive and the human knee-jerk reaction to latch onto some great scheme, plan, or vision for a better society. Oh, you mean like anarchism? Um, Also, it will illustrate the poor quality level of debate that's out there. It took much uh, prodding to elicit any well-thought-out responses. I encourage you to check these guys out. They are absolutely frightening. A mass of otherwise well-intentioned people who sense something is wrong but are blindly seeking answers. Rather than understand their own history, they reach out yet another form of statism and control, the centrally planned collective. Um, I'm going to make a comment here on something that is very common to me dealing with uh, anarchists, particularly anarcho-capitalists, is that they have a lot of charged words. Um, 
you know, words that have like huge meaning for them beyond what anybody have necessarily in, uh, uh, intended. So the word statist is one of those words. Collectivism is one of those words. Uh, you can't say anything like that without setting off all of their alarms. Um, and they're basically programmed to uh, reject anything that sounds anything like it. So anyway, um, now she's got this format kind of weird, so you're going to bear with me, but it says statement, a free society can be designed Barbed responds, barbed meaning barbed wire, there is no design without control, there is no control without force, there is no societal force absent the state tribe collective, there is no state tribe collective until the state tribe collective monopolizes force. Once force is monopolized, the human being is subject to control by the whims of the state, but you say, we have good ideas, we love human beings. That may be so, but will you live forever? Once force is handed over to the state, it is handed over in perpetuity. The people already having been disarmed, controlled, and pacified. Will the next generation of really smart leaders be as judicious with the use of force as you will? Ponder this, lest the movement morph into another branch of the statism you abhor. Um, the first thing I would say uh, is to quote Jacques Fresco from Zeitgeist Addendum, the state does nothing because there is no state. Our eventual goal is no state at all. The closest thing resembling it would be cyberocracy, as I've already described in my show that compares the Venus Project concept to, you know, if you wanted to frame it this way, you could make it into its own school of anarchy. Um, it has some things in common with anarcho-communism and anarcho-syndicalism, um, but it is neither of those things. Uh, but we do have an eventual goal of getting rid of the state entirely. Um, and if you read cyberocracy, what, you, know, you know, there's a Wikipedia entry Cyberocracy is essentially, quote unquote, rule by computers. Now, I want to point out something before everybody panics with the word rule, which is another one of those charged words. Um, we mean that the majority of, I mean, you think about it, the majority of things that are done by politicians are not things that require our attention and not things we'd really be all that interested in. Um, there have been several people, for example, who have gotten into politics and have gotten the hell out. Clint Eastwood, for example, and it's largely because once you get into those positions, you find out that all the stuff that you hear about on the news is the stuff that's interesting. The rest of it, like sitting through board meetings about sewers, uh, you know, things of that nature, is not interesting at all. So um, what you end up running into is, is that that's the kind of stuff that we just want to um, automate. And the rest of it, we just want to get rid of eventually, once the value system is ready for that. So. Um, she says there is no design without control. There is no control without force. That's assuming, of course, that uh, we're not just willingly and voluntarily going along with this. And since at the very you know, core of the Venus Project, um, we oppose force in all matters, it, there is never going to be some force. Um, so let me see here. Um, there is no societal force absent the state tribe collective. You see, one of the problems with anarchism is that these people don't believe that any group should ever get together for any reason. Um, and she always, they always assume that everything must be forced. We're not talking about any of that. Um, people can voluntarily come together to work together. And in fact, that's generally what happens in, you know, packs and even most tribes. So just something to consider. Give me just a second. I'll be right back.
Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, now we talk about once force is monopolized, the human being is subject to the control of the whims of the state. We don't want to have any force at all. That, that's kind of the point we're trying to eliminate. So, will we live forever? No, we're not going to live forever. But when a society is actually changed the societal values, then they pass that on to their, their, their following. So, anyway, now, responding to statement, this can only be done through proper design. I would like to point out that I remember some of this debate, and she's taking a great deal out of it, uh, out of context, and is just picking and choosing whatever she wants to put here. Like, for example, I think I'm the one who said that this can only be done through proper design. She doesn't put anything in here about what I did to explain it, but her response was, Please explain, one, how does design not imply control and therefore inherently force? You can design things without force, period. Um, we are talking about coming together willingly and knowingly through the scientific method, finding the best um, proposals, and then making them into projects, and then going from there. We will do this by getting around opinion, getting around ego, and using the scientific method to discover what actually is rather than what we think or what we believe. Um, two, what do you do with human beings who do not fit your design? Um, I guess the question would be, you know, before we get all scary about this, because it's one of those charged concepts, is that, the, you know, that asks for a lot of clarification. What, how do they not fit the design? If they just don't want to live the way we're living, we don't care, period. Like, I remember talking to Jacques Fresco. He said that if the Amish, like, want to continue to live in what amounts to essentially anarcho-primitivism, we don't care. All right, go ahead. No problem. Um, now, he, she puts, for example, John Smith is an investment banker. He represents all that you claim to abhor. You are designing society. John Smith and his value system does not fit in, in with this design. What do you do with John Smith? Um... Nothing. John Smith is free to do whatever he wants. Uh, if he wants to be an investment banker when we are a society with no money, he's probably going to get kind of bored. But you know, you, the insinuation that there's going to be something negative out of this is just ridiculous. Now we're going to read more of her quote. She says, the answers to my question seem to imply that in the utopian Venus Project Society, like, you know, I guess anarcho-capitalism isn't utopian, there would be no money and therefore no investment bankers. My question, therefore, was deemed moot, because it is. There was little discussion on how the transition to this utopian society could be carried out, however, which was very convincing. The whole line of reasoning reminds me of Mao or Paul Pot, uh, but in reverse, instead of forced migration to the fields, it's a suggestion of a highly technological society in an almost Gene Roddenberry sense. See, she calls up Mao and Pol Pot, who are uh, basically the Chinese communists, to try to scare people, and she says, but in reverse, and but instead of a forced migration to fields, it's a suggestion of a highly technological society in almost Gene Roddenberry sense. In fact, there are frequent Star Trek references to be found on their forum. I suggest that they read The Grapes of Wrath. I don't, I didn't read The Grapes of Wrath, but I think it's a fiction book, in which case, I don't care. Now, that being said, um, the highly technological society acting like it's, you know, un unrealistic, uh, there's a hydroponics system being operated in Chicago that produces one million pounds of food a month. 
in fish and healthy vegetables. The technology exists. We just need to apply it. The reason that it's thought of as Star Trek is the same reason we keep getting told that, you know, I've been told by people that geothermal is Star Trek. This is the state of society that we don't know the true capabilities of technology. Because, for example, for example Iceland is almost entirely powered by geothermal energy. Most people don't know that. The ability for us to automate most of this stuff is already there. It wouldn't really take much at all to create an automated hydroponic farm. No big deal. So here comes another big hot button issue. Um, question, what do you think of the Second Amendment? Um, barbed wire's response was, we must not distract ourselves with why someone may want to prevent you from owning the means of self-defense, in this case a gun. We must ask how. How do they propose banning, restricting, regulating, confiscating, and policing? We don't. Um, in fact, we've never said anything about taking your guns, ever, just to clear that up. Will the state apparatus be used for these ends, as is so often the case? If not, what controlling body will, through its monopoly, use the force to ban, restrict, regulate, or confiscate and police? Nobody. Because nobody's going to take your guns. Once this authority, this power, has been handed over to such a body, what will said body do with this power next? Nothing. We don't care if you own guns. Don't hurt anybody. What if someone refuses to comply? What force will be used to compel this human, these human beings' action in a determined direction? Do you support the tasing of this human being? Do you support the beating of this human being? Do you support the killing of this human being? Do you support the imprisonment of this human being? If so, for how long? You see, this lady is having an argument with somebody else. Okay, they have all of these predetermined, predisposed things that are supposed to happen anybody, tiny time anybody wants to do anything other than anarchism. As we've discussed on my previous show, authority doesn't go away just because you've gotten rid of the state. Period. Uh, the only thing that would really change in the proposed anarchist non-status system is that all authority would just go to whoever happened to have more guns. So, if if you want to own a gun, nobody's going to stop you. If you try to harm somebody with a gun, that's a different matter. Now, I imagine even in your anarchist way of thinking, avoiding harming people with guns is probably better. Um, our goal is to eliminate the needs for people to hurt each other in the first place, which is much more realistic than, A, assuming that spontaneous order is going to make everybody get along, or B, that... Um, some state can create laws that are going to stop anybody. Well, I can tell you that um, that is not a good solution because, like, you know, there are plenty of people out there who get restraining orders to protect themselves from, you know, violence and still end up dead. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, you do need some state to intervene to some degree in those instances because of the system as it is created. Note I said that. Uh, after the system is overthrown and the monetary system is overthrown and scarcity is overthrown and therefore stress is overthrown, you won't need to worry about it anymore. Um, we must ponder deeply our desires to direct human behavior and understand the dynamics of control utilized by both states and humans to control over the humans. Yep. Those who would ban must first ponder these issues and draw them out to their logical conclusions. We have. 
Her next statement was, you are so powerful when you have weapons. I guess this is from somebody on the forums. I believe people like you are sissies without weapons or some brainwashed people doing the job for you. You are powerless. You are two sissies. You fight like men. I don't know who said that on the forums, but this lady is basically trying to say that, um, assuming it's a lady, just have that a feeling. Could be a guy, whatever. Um, assuming um, that this person is trying to say, ooh, I've debunked the Zeitgeist movement. A couple people said something on the forum. Ah! The forum is open to anybody, including some people who are not very smart. We see that all the time. Now, she responds, how wrong you are. The firearm was the ultimate achievement of mankind, freeing him from the totality of might makes right. No longer could the state send someone bigger, someone stronger, men in greater numbers, or with more swords to put down those who would not submit to the power of the state. The firearm made men equal. This notion is entirely impractical because there's, as has already been proven, yeah, okay, so there isn't men with more swords, there's just men with more guns. And the fact that you think that the firearm is the ultimate achievement of mankind saddens me. All the firearm really did uh, was make it so that it takes uh, a few more, I mean, a few less people, honestly, to, to wage war. And it does empower one person to hurt a lot of people, I suppose, more than, you know, just the memory to fight in hand-to-hand -hand combat or whatever. But it didn't really equal, you know, equalize anybody. Uh, physical size is maybe no longer a factor, but in the long run, it certainly didn't do anything about the state. Now, um, there are people who are pinging me who would like to come on the show. I will do that after we're done, if we have time. I have a two-hour show lined up for this. just want to kind of get through this right now. But uh, if you would like to come on the show and you'd like to call in, um, I will make the number available, and I can also add you via Skype. And um, so as a result, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to discuss, and I'll be happy to debate anybody who wants to call in. Uh, but for now, I just want to get through this um, just to make sure we did because it's kind of long and I'm going to read some of the other posts too. Uh, however, since men are easily brainwashed by the state, man allowed the state to regulate and confiscate privately held firearms, thereby regaining for the state what is crucial to exert its control, a monopoly on the use of force. Once again, we don't Im imply or otherwise justify force, period. Um, and yes, men are easily brainwashed, especially in a monetary system where you can own the media. Anyway, such is the plight of the people. They so eagerly, through their desire to regulate that which they personally disfavor, grant the state ever-increasing authority over their lives. Now, I would like to point out that the basic ownership of firearms being the ultimate protection of freedom at this stage is ridiculous anyway. Okay. The state of technology is such that the average private citizen does not equal the state in any way with power. Back in the days of the Revolutionary War, when the average hunting rifle was not really very much different than the average military musket, maybe. And I'm not saying that we should be getting rid of firearms. That's not it. Okay. What I'm getting at, though, is, is that the notion that my 12-gauge and my 30-06 makes me equal to the guy with the M16, the grenades, the grenade launcher, the rocket launcher, the tank, 
and the YF-22 Raptor that will drop a bomb on my house and not harm anybody else in the neighborhood is ridiculous. Now, a statement. Although I support civilian ownership of guns, I believe it must be carefully regulated. This is from somebody on the forums. And all owners need a good understanding of firearms. Again, I don't want to start a gun control discussion, just pointing out a few things. Uh, barbed wire responds. If you don't want to start a gun control discussion, allow us to substitute peanuts for guns. Regulated by whom? Once this individual or group of individuals regulates peanuts, how are these regulations enforced? Note that force is explicit in the term of enforce. To, those authority, uh, to, to whose authority are you willing to submit in order to uh, enforce regulations regarding peanuts? How are you going to police these regulations? What will you do if someone violates these regulations? Will you approve of tasing this person, beating this person? Will you imprison this person? How long will you authorize the state to imprison this, uh, this political prisoners who do not follow your regulations? Peanuts. Um, I imagine that she's just trying to make an, a statement towards food and all that. Um, if you want to grow your own food in the Venus Project, nobody cares. Never implied to care. If you want to produce your own stuff, go ahead. We as a society are going to produce things on a scale using the resources of the world in such a way that are equitable for everybody and to achieve the highest standard of living. If you don't want to be part of that, that's fine. We don't care. But obviously, just like any other community, if you're going to come into our community and try to take something that's ours, we will probably ask you to leave. So it's not really an issue. We don't have regulations on peanuts. Statement from the forums, I guess. What might happen either is, SIC, massive anarchy, mass looting, rape, murder, and a lot of more bad things. I imagine this, and once again, she takes everything out of context, but BWS responds, I think there is a misunderstanding of the term anarchy here. That is to be expected given that the term has been manipulated and defined for the people via the mainstream media and by the state. It is also, and this is, this is me responding to that, okay? It has also been redefined and re-understood because of the behavior of many anarchists, okay? Um, and I know that you can't credit the behavior of one or two people for you know, any of that. But most anarchists that I have met, most, not all, have been very destructive personalities, okay? And as we covered on the last show, in many cases, these people who claim to be all anti-authoritarian, when you get to know them, actually are generally kind of brutal people. And then even like the most calm and nice anarchist I've ever met was Mary Ruart. She ran for the uh, Libertarian Party nomination. But although she was uh, not brutal, obviously, and was not, you know, I trust to live next to her and all that, she also advocated the legalization of child pornography. Mind you, disclaimer, not because she personally agrees with child pornography, but she believed that regulating child pornography, of course, made the problem worse and all this other stuff that is normally applied to drugs, and that she didn't advocate um, intervention even on the part of children who can't protect themselves because, you know, the state is never the right answer no matter what the situation. So, anyway, done with that. One may ask in response to a criticism of the design motive inherent in the Venus Project, what do, you, what do you propose? Anarchy. One does not propose anarchy. Anarchy is not a proposition. Anarchy is not a destination. Anarchy is a journey. Nor is philosophical anarchy a practical proposal. 
Well, we certainly agree that it's not practical. Anyway, it is not a system. It is an anti-system. One is correct in suggesting that no historic example exists of functioning anarchy, but the suggestion is oxymoronic. There is no functioning anarchy. This is more of that spontaneous order crap that we don't agree on. I would also point out that different schools of anarchy feel differently about this subject. Now, for reader, reading further, rather than propose anarchy, one whittles away at the state control mechanism, at regulation, and the monopoly on force. Why not just kind of eliminate the need for force. I like that idea better. Um, let's see. Anyway, we could eliminate the overwhelming majority of regulation current in place in the modern western state and be nowhere near philosophical anarchy. We would, however, be much closer to minarchy and hence liberty. That depends on how you look at it. Um, now, Thomas Jefferson says, when the government fears the people, there is liberty. Thomas Jefferson, uh, just for the record, this is my reply, uh, did believe in private property, including the ownership of other human beings. He, in fact, owned more slaves than any of the founding fathers into triple digits. I'm tired of people invoking the founding fathers as if in some way slave owners are experts on the matter of liberty. They were just another rich elite trying to secure their money and didn't want to share it with the British crown, and then they established for themselves another elitist system and lied to everybody and claimed that it was going to be liberty for them. That said, however, in order to approach liberty, we must resist in every way the poss possible the state's attempts at civilian disarmament, what you'll call gun control. I've already pointed out that the issue of us having guns is kind of a moot point at this point, but all right. However, this does not appear to be the tone in this form or this movement. Therefore, the Venus Project will simply replace the existing state paradigm, morphing into yet another tool of control, new state paradigm. This is unfortunate. Your words, not ours. Should we have that clear? Now, she says, to understand the problems you perceive in society, first understand the mechanisms of control and the reality of force. Force is neither good nor bad. I tend to disagree. The only time force is justified is in self-defense, further reading. However, it exists. To ignore this fact renders any suggestion for change moot. Therefore, to achieve liberty, one must ensure the state cannot monopolize force. She's still once again talking about something that doesn't even apply to us. So let me check the chat here for a second. Um, counting with their guns, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, nothing big here. All right. Coming back. All right. Barbed wire. Oh, wait. Her statement. The statement from somebody in the forums, the need for regulation will vanish with proper education. The whole point behind regulating firearms is to ensure that the person in question actually knows how to safely operate one without harming others. This statement was actually mine. I imagine she's, once again, not putting in the rest of it. She's just highlighting whatever she wants to sound bite. But anyway, she responds with, who determines whether or not the person in question actually knows how to safely operate one without harming others? Does the state determine this, the vanguard? Do you determine it? Who is the decision maker? What if I disagree? What force will you exert upon me to ensure my compliance? What testing procedures will I have to go through in order to ensure that I actually know how to safely operate a firearm? 
who will design the test, who will administer this test. If I fail this test, will you deny me a firearm? How will you deny me a firearm? Will you unleash the force of the state upon me? Will you imprison me? These are questions performance of the Venus Project have not pondered with sufficient intellectual rigor. How incredibly arrogant. Um, to answer your question, um, it shouldn't be unreasonable to ask that somebody demonstrate that they can use a destructive device without hurting anybody else. If you insist on owning or using something in a manner that is dangerous to other people, this is another one of those moments when the anarchist obsession with freedom goes so far as to include the freedom to harm others and thereby take their freedoms. Okay? It's like a snake eating its own tail. So the issue is, um, just like in any society, the group, the people within it, if you really just must own a firearm and you just must shoot your neighbor because you are utterly incompetent with firearms, um, the people in question will probably not want you to own firearms anymore. And I wouldn't blame them. So the question really is, would you presume to force other people to put up with you doing something dangerous that eventually harms or you know, hurts one of them? There's that force thing again. Statement from the forums, apparently, own firearms in a world where there's no practical reason to own them. I don't see that anyone would do anything to them for disagreeing. If they use, this is me again, I'm pretty sure, if they use those firearms to harm people, then there would, of course, be a problem. One of the things the Venus Project talks about is using scientific method to arrive at conclusions rather than opinions. We have pondered these issues, and I can assure Jacques has, as, assure you Jacques has as well. She responds with, then I invite Jacques to come debate this vision on my site, or you for that matter. Here I am. Um, in reading your responses and the responses of others, it is clear that the Venus Project fits the classic definition of a cult. Oh, here we go. You cannot debate your positions logically or apply intellectual rigor to your conclusions because you begin with the premise rather than derive the premise through questioning and inquiry. I would say the same thing about anarchy. She says, you begin with the premise of a world in which firearms are obsolete. No, that is just our goal. Not that it matters. Firearms are already obsolete as a means to resist the state as it currently exists. No war against the state at this time is going to succeed without aid of the people within the state. And since you guys have this excellent habit of piss, you know, pissing off the... Uh, cops and angering the military at us and making it easy for the state to propagandize and make it clear to everybody that supposedly we're all terrorists by all this hatred that you push towards about other human beings who are just reacting to their environment, it's going to be more and more difficult to get the military and the police to intervene on our behalf. But make no mistake, the days of Red Dawn are over. You can watch the military channel, which I have in the past, to see the technology that they're willing to talk about. Okay. One of them is a microwave gun that can strike like a football field size and make everybody on it feel like they're on fire, okay? Once again, your 30 at 6 and your 12 gauge are useless. This is about a war of ideas. If you want to own them, nobody's going to stop you, but this notion that it's this beautiful thing set down by our founding fathers and is absolutely crucial to protecting our freedoms is no longer relevant. Huh. <sighs> 
She says, yet again, I resist the side debate over whether this vision is desirable or not, but instead question your premise. Okay. You cannot begin with a world where things that exist in reality are already obsolete. This is okay in Star Trek. It is not okay in reality. In reality, you must have a plan to implement by that what you suggest. We do. What do you have in this community is a commonly accepted starting point that conveniently skips over the realities and challenges of implementation. It doesn't. You use the euphemism design in reality, you imply force. No, we have never implied force. You have repeatedly said over and over again that we are. We don't. That said, but you are able to gloss over the unpleasantness of this term by starting your thought process and your debate far down the road. The first step is making people understand the awareness and of the ideas and therefore the value system and how it changes. I've already felt that it's changed me. There was a time that I was foolish enough to think that the firearms we have are somehow going to protect us from a state that already knows where we live and can easily just apprehend us regardless. Because despite your theory that firearms make everybody equal, if 12 well-trained armed men show up in my house, I'm still going to get arrested. The only thing I might do with my gun is get myself or my family killed. Once again, you're free to own them. But the notion that you think that's going to solve everything is ridiculous. Um, now, you use the youth... Oh, we've already been over that. Jacques asks, if given a clean slate, how would you design a society... Pol Pot also asked this question and then implemented the blank slate upon which to design his ideal. Okay, so what? The Venus Project proponents skip over the difficult questions and begin with the blank slate. No, the reason we start with the blank slate is so that you understand that we're redesigning culture. Once we get there, it'll be easy enough. Therefore, is all serious inquiry glossed over by simply replying that in a world where X is obsolete, we will not have this problem? Um, I've been over that with you already. Where will you find the police to render obsolete that which does not fit into your design? Been over that too. You will find them for the legions of cultists on this forum. We're cultists because we don't debate logically. Even though everything proposed in the form of anarchy that you're suggesting is utterly illogical. She takes a statement from the forums. In answer to my challenge that the Venus Project does not address how this is to be done and how it will handle objectors, yes, it does, actually. You handle people who object by eliminating any reason to object, not by force or coercion, but by destroying whatever stands in the way of everyone being comfortable with the idea, by addressing the problems that create the objection at their root causes rather than creating laws and expecting people to go along with them. By just, you know, she quotes, oh, this is another quote of mine she took out of context. But I want to point out, not by force or coercion. <laughs> she even put it there. And then she goes on to act that we imply force. Again, now, she responds with, by destroying whatever stands in the way of everyone being comfortable with the idea. Do you understand how frightening this is? Do you understand what you are saying? Can you not see who else has uttered such words in the past and what the result has been? No. Those people don't have anything in common with us. Joseph Stalin advocated lots of force. We don't. Lenin, in the way that the Bolsheviks took power in Russia, advocated lots of force. We don't. The United States advocates all kinds of force that is implied in the Patriot Act and all kinds of new legislation that your shotgun is not going to protect you from, I might add. And we don't. Period. And then she declares victory by saying, 
And there you have it, the real agenda uncovered in a few short dialogues. And I put it in all bold letters to make it sound like it was relevant, too. Sorry. Then she replies with a new manifesto. I have just read through the Venus Project manifesto, and it seems to me the antithesis of what I and many others took away from the movie Zeitgeist. Antithesis. Regardless of the author's intentions, the suggestions contained therein seem the most ambitious manifesto to date for complete central planning and human control I have ever read in my life. The response of those I encountered on the forum were cult-like. We were cultists because we didn't agree with you. Anyway, therefore I offer up the following, she says, one, to the members of the Zeitgeist Movement and specifically supporters of the Venus Project, I offer up my blog to debate you. I invite you to come forth and state your proposals of design for a better society. I will give you all the time and space you want to offer up your views, but come prepared. Email me, and I will open up a post dedicated to the exchange of views. I would like to email you this show. I would like to invite you and challenge you to come on this show. And I promise you that I will give you free exchange of ideas, as I've proven in the past when I've debated with anarcho-capitalists who've come on my show, because it actually doesn't credit me to control the conversation in a direction that is proven irrational. Uh, anyway, two, I offer up this counter-manifesto. Those of us who respect liberty and the individual and the individual, those of us who respect the fundamental human right to own property, to own the means of self-defense and to resist the tyranny of the majority or of the individual will resist you. Resist us doing what? You're going to resist us from studying self-sustaining technology and rendering the dollar obsolete when we can all take care of ourselves? You're going to resist us from willingly coming together and working towards those ends? You're going to resist us from offering up this technology to anybody who wants it for the purpose of taking care of themselves? Okay. Good luck. Can I continue reading? Those of us who respect our ties to the land, who respect the circulatory nature and intrinsic human ties to the soil, we will resist you. Uh, we respect the ties to the land, and we respect the circularity of nature and intrinsic, highs, intrinsic human ties to the soil. So I don't know why you're resisting. Those of, who, those of who respect the handmade and the local, the wood over the iron, the organic over the genetically engineered, and the individual over collective will resist you. Resist implies that we're going to do anything to you. We're not. If you want to continue using handmade and the local and the wood over the iron and the organic or the genetically engineered and the individuals, okay, most actually, by the way, the organic, Jacques Fresco actually advocates organic gardening and wants all of the food in the Venus Project to be organic. But anyway, you're free to do that. We don't care. Go ahead. Nobody's coming for you, lady. Get out of this, like, paranoid delusion that you have. Anyway, we will resist you utilizing every means possible at every corner and every step of the way. Why? Do you have the right to imply force and prevent us from freeing ourselves from the system that you advocate or don't advocate even? We're not enemies. We will never surrender. Oh, wow. Now this is just getting dramatic. 
And then she says, and when your technological designed utopia begins to enslave its children, when your benevolent leaders give way to your tyrants, we will be there to serve you. Wow, they're superheroes. Okay, well, that being said, um, I've now gone over the entire blog. If you would like to come on uh, to the show, now is the time. The call-in number is 347-945-7747. I'm going to put it in the chat room. Um, if you happen to use Skype and you want to be added that way, I can bring you on. My Skype is VTV115. And if you want to be added to the call, ping me, meaning just send me a PM. And until you do, I'm going to go ahead and read some of these posts. Ah, there are a few people here that say that you know they enjoy what she's saying. Um, Barbed Wire says, guys, what are you saying? What does this even mean? Cultist drivel. Property is always by definition owned. It will be owned by the individual or the state collective tribe cult. Why don't we just get rid of the notion that we need to own anything individually and just make everything public? Okay? It's just like the notion that the Native Americans had when men said that they wanted to own land. The tribe, you know, basically the tribes of the Native Americans kind of looked at them confused, like, why would anybody own land? Not because they didn't occupy land, not because they didn't make use of land, but because of the fact that the entire notion was silly to them. All right, we have a caller from the 317 area code. You're on the air. Hey, V. Uh, hey, man, who's this? Where, where to start with this, man? You did such a good job of, of covering it. Uh, this this mm -hmm. thing is just so ridiculous. Uh, I don't even really know where to start. I mean, to start over from the beginning... You know, the idea that design equals control equals force uh, is making a lot of assumptions uh, about people's intentions. Right. Obviously, and, if I'm going to design anything, I must be intending on forcing it on somebody. Yeah, but, really. You, you, <laughs> you couldn't possibly design something with the intent of making a good design, and a good design then uh, equals you know, something that, that sh is proper, you know. You, mm -hmm. you must only ever design things that no one is going to want because that's why people design anything, because no one wants it. That's why you have to design it. Therefore, you have well, to I can tell you one system. I can tell you one system that does force us to deal with inferior design. It's called the capitalist system because we don't have any choices to actually get any products that don't suck. We have to take whatever is most profitable to them. But continue. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. The design in the capitalist system is uh, is insanely complicated. Uh, they, they design the use of of money, and they design the use of interest rate to control the, the inflation and deflation of money. They design uh, the the function of bankruptcy and defaults so that you can centralize the use of money. There's so much design in the capitalist system; it's not even funny. Yeah, and it's and it's not always seen, and that's the thing that's so scary about it is that it's not obvious right away. In fact, it's, in my opinion, even more insidious, okay, because as I've said before, you know, the control is not obvious because it, it goes on behind the scenes, and the whole time 
you're basically believed, you're, you lie, you're lied to, basically. You're, you're told that you have choice, and it's an insult to your intelligence. Like, I see links to on this, this blog to Ron Paul and stuff like that, and I imagine this person was probably a Ron Paul supporter. I used to be a Ron Paul supporter. But it's an insult to our intelligence to assume that that system is ever going to lead to anything because the only people you're ever going to meet in that system um, are the ones that the establishment has paid for because money leads to election. No poor candidate is ever going to be elected. Yeah, you know what? I support Ron Paul. I think he has got a level head on him, and he's got the right ideas about how to move forward within the system we're in. A lot of people refuse to comprehend the idea that we're talking about changing the entire function of the system and implementing a new, better system that doesn't even relate to uh, the way we run things now. And uh, almost everything that uh, Barbed Wire is saying here is basically saying, well, how does your system going to apply to the problems that we have now? Well, our system is an end result of a transition. And the ideas that we have for the end result are not applications for achieving the transition. They are the end result of changing people's motivations and people's ideas and people's motivations. Okay, well, you said motivations twice, but I'll forgive you. Um, the only thing I would comment on Ron Paul is that Ron Paul's got the idea of personal sovereignty and you know free rights and you know I mean, free rights, uh, civil rights and all that down really well. But he is a rabid free market capitalist, and he does believe that if we just deregulate everything, that uh, everything will be fine and you know all that other hogwash. So I tell people to be careful about that because I just came out of that movement, and I can tell you it's not compatible because those people have some pretty unrealistic ideas. He generally suggests, for example, that the gold standard is somehow going to solve everything. As if, like, you know, even when money was made out of gold, you know, they couldn't get much more of a gold standard than gold coins, we were still dealing with huge pockets of rich and huge pockets of poor. Um, everything else about him is fine. I honestly think that the candidate people should consider is Dennis Kucinich, who is a friend of Ron Paul's, I might add. Um, and in fact, Ron Paul... Uh, when asked um, if he was not running for president, who would he support? He said Dennis Kucinich. The two of them were bandying around the idea. I know Dennis Kucinich, for example, said that Ron Paul would have been one of his first uh, choices for a running mate should he had got, if he had gotten the nomination. So um, bearing that in mind, I, I also I talked to Dennis Kucinich's wife a little bit. I did a post about this on the, on the forum a little while on a MySpace, and I told her about Zeitgeist, and she said to send that information directly to Dennis at his office. I never did, uh, but three days later, uh, Dennis put a post in his blog on MySpace saying that he wants to reform the monetary system and, you know, look for a way to design our culture to be self-sustaining, so I have a feeling he watched Zeitgeist. He has to be very careful about what he says because he's already a very controversial candidate. He does believe in reinvestigating 9-11, uh, he's the guy who was pushing for Bush and Cheney's impeachment. Um, I just think if, you, if you, we want a good candidate, that would be the way to, the, the way to start. Um, we have another caller. You don't, you don't have to hang up by any, more, by any means, um, but uh, I'm going to bring them on to into the conversation, and that would be Jaguar. Can you hear us, Jaguar? Hello? Hmm. He must not have his mic ready. 
But uh, whenever you do get your mic ready, Jaguar, go ahead and uh, let us know. So, anyway, um, I am getting other requests to be added to the call. Let's see if there's anything else on the switchboard. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I hope that it. Okay, we have people who want to come in after the fact. Oh, I think I hear Jaguar. Hey. Uh -huh. There, there, yeah. So, did you have any comments about the show? Yeah, I'm horribly enraged when people do this. <laughs> horribly enraged? Why? And he wakes out again. Did I? There you go. Okay. They refuse to look at the actual whole concept of it, and they 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 jump off into tangents that with limited limited knowledge of what the the concept is. When they jump off and causes distortion of the of the whole concept, when they jump off communist or control structures, people are going to contaminate it. It's going to destroy us. It's going to command us. It's aggravating when they do this. So. Feel free. Go ahead and uh, lead, lead away. All right. Kind of a little bit more. Okay. Um, to the caller on the switchboard, um, did you have anything further to add? Give me a favor and mute yourself when you're not talking, Jaguar, just because uh, there's a lot of noise in the background. But uh, yeah, to the caller who, yeah, yeah, did you have anything further to add? Go ahead. There was uh, one other thing I wanted to point out when you talk about gun control and all this statist stuff about what are you going to do to take away people's guns and the Second Amendment, you know, we, we cover the fact that paper proclamations don't actually protect anybody. They don't stop uh, governments and groups of people from exerting force. Uh, owning a weapon and possessing it for your self-defense does not at all prevent a totalitarian government from arresting you. These are all things you said already. And one thing that a lot of people overlook when they want to bring up the Second Amendment is it was not intended for you to hold a weapon and defend yourself. You know, this is not the last stand where, where you have your gun and you're the person defeating totalitarianism. The Second Amendment is an idea that an armed population will resist tyranny. And right. all of that really has no application in a system where there is no mechanisms of power. There's no mechanisms of influence. When we remove monetarism, the power and influence that people have is removed. The, the motivation for them to exert control is removed. And therefore, your need to defend yourself against this tyranny is become, becomes obsolete. That's the reason why... Uh, the practice of owning weapons will most likely become obsolete, not because no one's ever going to hurt anybody for any reason. That would be a really long ways down the road when it would be unthinkable for someone to hurt someone. We've got too much of that going on in the world. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, um, I mean, it's like, I imagine that they'll probably respond to my point about, you know, so, you know, where's your tank, your raptor, whatever. Somebody had responded, and I understand where he was coming from, you know, that, a lot of anarchists advocate this notion uh, that, you know, I guess everybody should be able to own a tank and everybody should be able to own a raptor or whatever. Um, and I've also, I've heard a lot of what they say. Anarcho-capitalists generally say that everybody will be able to purchase their own uh, security and 
you know, mercenaries and stuff to deal with anything like that. And I'm like, wow, that's a recipe for, you know, uh, gang lords and stuff to take over. You know, you want to talk about what's going to you know, facilitate uh, unnecessary evil control. Um, it's once again be a situation where, in fact, in anarcho-capitalism, which is even worse, um, it's, it's just basically fascism to the highest bidder. Whoever has the most money uh, will end up having all the power. And that's actually brought up by anarcho-communists and anarcho-syndicalists who point out that um, in a system that anarcho-capitalism just leads right back to the creation of a state because there's still private ownership of everything. And the whole point behind the state in many cases for these people is to protect their property. So, you, you know, you may not have a state. And this is one advantage that a state has over anarcho-capitalism is that in a state, they need to at least pay lip service to the common good or they won't be maintained. In anarcho-capitalism, you have a system where everybody's basically empowered to own their own weapons and use them with no real negatives to it. They always have all these ideas of these contrived notions that society will do something about it X, Y, or Z, but with no change to the value system, that's never going to work. Yeah, so, you just end up with mar mar monopoly and cartel again. Yep. And, and yeah, cartel especially. They, they often say, well, we can get rid of corporate personhood. And I'm like, well, that's just a Band-Aid either. Band-Aid as well. I mean, it's not to say, like, let's say there was no Microsoft. If Bill Gates was still the owner of all of the stuff in question and all of the money that Microsoft has was in his hands, there's nothing to stop him from doing the same business practices. It makes it a little bit more inconvenient, like, mildly to stop him because he's got to go through some legal loopholes but just because even if Microsoft Corporation didn't exist, the sheer amount of money that he owns would still allow him to make, you know, command vast control. And even before corporate personhood existed, the rich families were still quite capable of controlling anything they wanted. So um, if either of the callers, and I'm going to go ahead and read some more stuff here, if either of the callers at any point want to chime in on anything, just go ahead and you know, say something, and I'll pop, stop talking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind, if I can go ahead right now. Yeah, I agree that uh, the spontaneous control, it sounds a little crazy. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean about it. It just doesn't sound right. Um, the state and capital control in which we have right now doesn't allow for differential advantage. My, so a lot of people I've talked to uh, trying to describe the concepts, they are in favor of a uh, debt-free money system. But I keep trying to reiterate the point that it doesn't take care of the profit motive and therefore doesn't take care of, of the differential advantage in buying power. And so having a, a, a transitional monetary economy doesn't sound reasonable. And as far as the concepts of, of control, gun control, it's not a matter of gun control. And the Second Amendment was originally put in there to support militias in order to defend the, the personhood, the freedoms of the individual. It has been changed since then. <laughs> the original goal is no longer necessary in the larger scheme of things, and that's why they're trying to remove the gun rights, because they don't want... A, a people who have the ability to defend themselves, but also they don't want people to start thinking and going, hey, maybe we should do what the Constitution states, which is abolish the government for the betterment of us. 
So I'm sorry. Go ahead and continue where you're left. Where you're I don't, left. you know, in our current value system, I'm not opposed to people being able to defend themselves. And I, I do feel the Second Amendment kind of implied that. My point was that it's irrelevant. As far as overthrowing the state, you're not going to with the weapons that are provided. Um, you know, so uh, nobody knew on the switchboard. I'm going to go ahead and read some more stuff from her replies. Uh, Jen Wilde had made a very good argument as to, um, you know, what was wrong with what she was saying. So she says, Jen, while I can respect your articulate defense of the Venus Project, the issue here is ownership, not money. Until you can explain how private ownership will work and be guaranteed in a society with no monetary exchange, your defense of the project will fall, largely fall on deaf ears and ultimately have little traction. So we'll have little traction because we can't convince paranoid people on their blog, but um, if, on the other hand, your position is that, like money, there will be no ownership, well, that has been tried before in many forms. Each has failed spectacularly and with great expense in production and distribution, not to mention human life. I would challenge you by saying that um, most uh, attempts at private property have also failed and um, have led to great losses of human life and are currently leading to great losses of human life. The only promise that the capitalist system offers is that we will have an organized destruction that is more like a game that you can play and hopefully get out of. Um, like we have, I have this guy who opposes my resource-based economy caucus in the Boston Tea Party, and he says that we're the, the death camp caucus because what will eventually happen is that supposedly we're going to you know, create these death camps to lower the population when there's not enough resources and all that other crap. And I pointed out that the capitalist system doesn't need death camps. It has things like refusing to allow people to get medical care because they can't afford it, refusing to allow people to eat because they can't afford it, refusing to allow people an education because they can't afford it. So it's a different look on it. You know, we can instead just play this game that is rigged to make sure that a few people are always insured to have everything they need and the majority doesn't even have most of what they need and then tell everybody that they have a chance at the piece of the pie and lie to them rather than just being honest with them and just, you know, only giving what is, you know, what, what is there to the elite in the first place. Now, um, if on, your, on the other hand, she says, your position is that like money, there will be no ownership. Well, oh yeah, we've already been over that. The problem in our economy and in the economies of most states throughout history is one of fiat money, uh, too little rather than too much private ownership and too much rather than too little intervention. So let me, let me get something, uh, I've been wanting to point this out for a while because we've had a guy recently on the forum saying that capitalism was somehow responsible for all the innovation that we have. I would point out that the only reason that capitalism was able to do any of the technological innovations that were made uh, was because of fiat currency, was because of the fractional reserve system, was because of being able to create value out of thin air and use it as a motive to get people to do things, okay? Without the fractional reserve system, and if we went to some form of sound money, there would be no credit, nobody would be able to get loans uh, other than the, the elite, essentially. There wouldn't be enough money, and all of that uh, moving forward you were talking about would come to a screeching halt. Um, let's see, too little, red. okay. The original Zeitgeist file seemed to focus in on that fact. The follow-up seemed to lose focus. The Venus Project, perhaps yourself excluded, seems to attract the same groups of people that are otherwise just impressed with various collectivist money-eliminating technocratic models. Yeah, as if there's a bunch of money-eliminating technocratic models. I've never even heard of any other money-eliminating technocratic models. 
Um, do either of you guys have any comments on this? Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, one okay. uh, that I point out all the time to capitalists and conservatives that I debate with is that capitalism and free enterprise and free market, for that matter, are completely separate things. They're all melded into one, and we call it capitalism in the United States. And anything that's in defense or that is in a criticism of free market or free enterprise is attacking capitalism, and we just call it capitalism. But the reality is, uh, yeah, the United States is a great country. We've you know, climbed to the top of the financial world, and a lot of that has happened because of fractional reserve and the invention of our wealth, because all of our wealth has only been invented through signing off debt to other countries. Uh, but all, all this innovation and everything people say is a capitalist wonder is really uh, a free enterprise wonder because certainly the ability of people to freely invent and, and create things uh, has what is what is made is one of the things that's made this country great. But it, it's not a sole key aspect to capitalism, and that it, it can only exist within capitalism is a, kind of a, a misconception that capitalists want to give. And another thing and, that I always have to... But real quick, to, to, to expound on your point, super quickly, um, and in fact, the capitalist system also holds back the advents of new technology because they're unprofitable and only capitalizes on technologic, technology that money can be made from. And therefore, anything that would eliminate scarcity or eliminate the need for certain money-making services is held back. Absolutely. Now, go ahead and continue. Um, the other thing is that uh, capitalists and conservatives say, well, individual responsibility, individual accountability. Uh, you know, people work and earn and whatever. Well, certainly the work ethic and earning what you have, this is all good, respectable notions, but applying it on a social level, expecting everyone to adhere to it, and your individual responsibility is just an excuse to say, well, I don't really care enough to help other people that are disadvantaged. Absolutely. Now, did the other caller have something to say? Yeah, I agree, is that this country of America, we tend to clump together the trade policy along with the monetary policy into one all-encompassing capitalism word. Uh, yeah, it's not capitalism that has created the invention and the capability for us to grow technologically in this country. It is people, and those people have the ability to do that with or without money there. Most of them do it anyways thousands and thousands of times over in order to figure something out. And still, their main goal was not to make a million dollars. The main goal was to figure out the problem because it was inkling at them. It had little to do and I've heard it I mentioned Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. Money falls into the bottom two ranks on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. There's still three ranks above that. And it's very interesting that how the, the gift economy concept, how that actually flows and works through the Internet, which is now widely available. And it has nothing to do with money at all. It has everything to do with the person and the individual trying to make their way through this thing we call life and their ability to do that without having any passion and edgewise about money. Capitalism does not promote invention, and as it has been stated several times over, it does actually inhibit prevention. 
uh, invention several times over. So, um, and the only reason why money has gotten that adornment is because it was here in the United States where invention and inventors were actually praised. So, uh, I'm gonna let the let the line go again. So you guys go ahead. And go. Okay. Um, we have another caller that wants to be added, but I'm gonna go ahead and make another statement about private property. There are two ways of looking at property that I think are applicable. Um, one is the concept of personal property, which even the Marxists, the communists, believe that average person should still have personal property. Okay, We're talking about getting rid of the private property of the, as far as the means of production of the needs of life. Okay, um, And we're not going to go take your businesses, so don't worry about it. We're going to make our own. We're going to build our own infrastructure that is designed to be um, self-sustaining and sustainable, more specifically, without the need for profit. That isn't, you know, that is going to be designed to be as efficient as possible and to basically be able to outdo anything else. Okay, so that's our plan. We, as a society ourselves, do not agree with the notion of the private ownership of that which is required for humanity to survive. And the reason why is that price mechanism that the free market capitalists worship and say is the only way to adequately distribute resources has been doing an excellent job of totally failing at adequately distributing resources. It has been doing an excellent job of ensuring that only the elite are capable of owning all the resources. Now, what does that sound like? Well, that sounds like what happens when communism is corrupted. The difference is in the communist countries, they were able to go, you know, this isn't working. Um, in the capitalist system, like I said earlier, you're duped into thinking, well, if I just worked a little harder, you'd still end up being poor. Unless you can find a way to make more money for the establishment than you can for yourself, because that's how it always works. It is an unequal exchange. You will never get any further than you are now. And they're trying to eliminate you because the motive is profit. You want to talk about killing people? You want to talk about force? They don't have to go to your house with a gun anymore. They just simply don't give you a job if they don't want to share with you. And they make it their lives to eliminate as many jobs as possible. Okay? All of these arguments that were brought up basically about things that were said by people like Marx, people like Mises, people, you know, people who lived back before the advent of the robot or in many cases even the damn calculator, are irrelevant. You're not talking about the same world. Now, that being said, Jim Hamill wants to be added to the call. Let me go ahead and bring him on. So while I'm scrolling down to find him, uh, to capitalize on my point, essentially, I'm, what I'm getting at is the same thing I brought up in the debunking, uh, the book about the... Um, Venus Project, it wasn't I mean, basically the book that was supposed to be telling me that, you know, uh, technological unemployment was a fallacy, their notion that uh, any machines that are made to get rid of um, jobs will therefore produce jobs in making them. But as I can tell you from an awful lot of unemployed auto workers here in Michigan where I live, it's not working out that way, folks. Anyway, Jim Hamill, you're now added to the call. Did you have anything to add so far? Yeah, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, 
situations that occur uh, in the financial system where people don't get the appropriate education that they require. Um, I've always said that uh, you never know where genius comes from, that it can come from anywhere. Um, and the fact that, you know, we have great minds that have come from all around the world in, in all kinds of different class structures uh, is, is a great way to point that out. And the thing is, is that I think we don't realize how much the monetary system limits the amount of great ideas uh, that could potentially be available if it otherwise didn't, uh, didn't exist that way. And I, I think that that's a limiting factor that often gets overlooked, you know. It's like it's not even just people power in, in the uh, perspective of labor, but people power in the perspective of mind that seems to be diminished with the financial system as well. And it, it's just something that uh, I think uh, doesn't get looked at as often as it probably should. No, I absolutely agree. And um, something that Devon G in the chat room is bringing up, um, he like says, yeah, seriously, why would someone make guitars in a resource-based society and not want to share them? It's not like they can make a profit on it. There's no money. If I had something unique that I discovered that I could share with the people to benefit uh, my life and theirs, why wouldn't I share it? And I pointed out, well, why shouldn't you? You know, what, it, wouldn't it benefit you as well? You know, in fact, if you have an idea that you're sharing with everyone, you're part of everyone, you get it too. The notion that we have a problem with is the notion that because you came up with an idea that could say, for example, save lives, like people who owe patents on drugs or people who own patents on, like, you know, the genetics of people who can, you know, if used correctly, could cure diseases. But, you know, they make sure that they get their profit by patenting somebody's genes because you're not even allowed to use that information unless you're willing to pay a fee to the people who own that. And I might add, the people in question don't even have any say in it. It's their genetics, okay? And, you know, I know some people say, oh, well, we're going to abolish all of that and patents and all that. Well, if you abolish, abolish patents, then you ensure that the little guy who comes up with a new idea will not be able to capitalize on it. So, therefore, your notion that capitalism is going to work because there will always be competition, the little guy will make sure that the big guy doesn't get out of control is ridiculous. The entire patent system was created to prevent that. So if you're going to get rid of patents, then you're not going to have any counterbalance to the elite that will inevitably come out of it. So, uh, FYI, the blog host just posted is listening. Extend a two-way conversation for a call-in. Um, all the person has to do is either add me to their Skype or call in the phone number. The call-in number is 347-945-7747. If the person who wrote this blog post would like to come on, I'll be happy to debate them. Just please maintain calm, be concise, be constructive. I won't let anybody gang up on you, but I'm also not going to let you destroy the radio show or communication. So the chat room is open. The chat room, I'm putting the number in there, but it is 347-945-7747. If you would like to add me to your Skype, my Skype is VTV115. Uh, PM me knowing who it is. Okay. Um, so basically, I'm telling Jen to tell them, you know, if you want in, I got your number. So, in any case, um, until I get contacted from that person, I will be watching the switchboard and otherwise, and uh, see what comes out of that. 
just posted to the blog. Okay. All right. Um, I guess I can try to look for her on the blog. Anyway. Um, let's see if she put it up top, or did she make a new blog post or anything like that? Let me see. Unfortunately, Jen's not on the call right now. If you would prefer a two-way to contact her, how do I contact her? Is it possible to post a link to the show there? Jen's writing back now. Oh, yeah, I'm still on. If you can post back to her on the blog and give her the link to the show, I'd be happy to do that, Jen. Okay, give her the link to the show. Call in line is that, or I can add her via Skype. My Skype is VTD115. Sorry for the little pause there. I'm trying to get the person who wrote this blog on the show. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to read some more unless either uh, anybody on the call wanted to make any further comment. Uh, v, I'm actually going to drop the call because I've got to do some things and I want to be back here to hear uh, Peter Joseph's address in, on the hour. No problem. Take care. Thanks. Yep. We have 45 minutes remaining in this edition of V Radio. I hope that this person will call in. Um, if they can't reach us this time, I will be happy to bring her on and we can have a discussion about this subject. Okay. All right. How would I invite her? She needs the info to contact me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess they're going to have to try to find a way to post this to the blog. But I doubt we're going to be able to finish this debate in a half hour. Um, I'm going to try to find a way to post here so that she'll know what's going on and see what's up. Once again, thank you for tuning in to this impromptu uh, edition of V Radio. Um, you can visit v-radio.org. It's v-radio.org with a hyphen between the V and the word radio. And um, there you can find everything you need as far as getting previous archive shows and also um, making donations, adding me to your Facebook, for example. I make a lot of uh, stuff there for my Facebook. So I'm going to go ahead and post this here. Um, and uh, once again, guys, I will, I will bring this person on to debate them at another show if uh, we can't get a hold of them now. Okay. Oops. I cut and paste. Did not work. So anyway, um, just to get back to this so that you guys aren't just listening to dead air, um, basically, let's see what, uh, you know, if I can get her to come on the show today. If not, I will make it open. But if she is listening, 
Uh, it's 347-945-7747, or you can add me via your Skype if you wish to come on. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and try to post it here. And her time is running out. Your comment is awaiting a moderation. Neato. Well, that means she needs to look at it, so hopefully she'll read it. All right. Now let's bring this back to where we were talking about. Um, let me see. I'm going to find more by her. There's a lot of other stuff on here. And there's the last one I read. But um, as was pointed out earlier, the, you can eliminate the need for crime. That's the whole issue. If everybody has what they need, you can basically put the um, systems involved in making you know, the basic needs of life um, so abundant that there's no point in stealing them. Uh, Barbed Wire says, Ben and Jen, I am sorry, but I do not have time to engage in sophomoric debates. Feel free to post up any thoughts you want. I would never restrict your rights. I urge you to contemplate this quote. Until and unless you discover that money is the root of all good, you ask for your own destruction. When money ceases to become the means by which men deal with one another, then men become the tools of their other men, blood whips and guns or dollars. Uh, blood whips and guns or dollars. Take your choice. There is no other. Um, translated, she doesn't want to debate because she knows she's going to lose. That have been my first guess. Um, but um, so she's saying that it's either blood whips and guns or dollars. It's funny. We have dollars now. We've got a whole lot of guns and a whole lot of blood. And we don't have to use whips anymore. We'll just blow you up and take your stuff. <laughs> You guys have any comments on that? Yeah, uh, I, I think the kind of tendency of thinking there is just because uh, you know historically, um, like a certain a certain type of people have always had uh, a lot, if if you know what I'm saying. Um, and sometimes it takes a a little bit to get them thinking, uh, you know, about those that don't have a lot. Um, I think that if you were to look back into her past. Uh, I'm sure you'd be pretty safe to assume that her family has, has been uh, that of, uh, you know, uh, some some form of wealth, some form of comfort anyway. Uh, now that's an assumption, i got to admit, but, uh, but I, I think that's probably accurate. You know, in my experience, I've seen two people who support, two kinds of people who support the free market capitalist system. Uh, the ones who came from some kind of position as far as... Um, you know, like having money, you know, tend to be the ones that defend it most ardently. Like we just had a guy, for example, who, you know, came in and said he's an engineer and all that. He makes good money. Why should he support anything that changes his lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. Or you have the ones that really confound me are the ones who are dirt poor, okay, and have the proof that the system is failing right there in their faces. 
and they still blindly support that system. That's the part that I talk about. It's like she said earlier, you know, we're all blindly looking for solutions. I think anybody who thinks that the capitalist system is going to save them is not looking at reality. The only people who come out good in that system are the people who um, have essentially managed to find a way to benefit from it. But generally, as I said earlier, it's, it's a pyramid scheme. All wealth shoots up. It doesn't come down. Okay? And they're finding ways to constrict the ability of the people who are not part of their new elite okay, um, to make sure that they don't get a free share of the pie. So it's, it's ridiculous to think that any of that's going to come out of that. So, um, Let me see. She quotes John Adams. Once again, uh, root node. We are wise to view with skepticism those who would advocate a social order so at odds with human nature. <clears throat> human nature doesn't exist. Such societies have been advocated before, and there have been attempts at creating them. Each has failed at great cost of life. Some of the, those who have advocated systems of governance at odds with human nature include Lenin, Mao, and Stalin. Human nature is a cop-out. It has been proven to be so. Um, and I would say that Stalin, uh, Mao, Lenin, those guys were way too aggressive to be anywhere near what we're talking about. And they don't address the root causes. They don't address scarcity. They don't address what's creating that behavior you're you know, claiming to be human nature. Uh, such a system can only be achieved through the forcible removal of those who don't play by the rules. The use of such by government trains that the very government that forces the most effective way to achieve its aims. Force becomes a shortcut. Later, force becomes the primary means of obtaining government objectives. She continues to bring up this force thing that we've already debunked, that we're not interested in, that we don't use, that we don't advocate. Um, Apparently, Thatcher says there is no such thing as society. There are only individuals. You know, has anybody ever thought about the fact that if there was a group of elite that really wanted to dominate us and to dominate the world, that getting everybody obsessed with individuality would be a great way to make sure that nobody ever ganged up on the elite, would be a great way to be sure that everybody was so selfish and so self-concerned that they could not work together to find a way to liberate themselves. That's exactly what they succeeded in doing in the Libertarian Party. Because I was surrounded when I went there to the convention. There were some good people, don't get me wrong. But I was surrounded largely by people who were so selfish and so self-absorbed that they couldn't realize that they can't even achieve anything that doesn't require more than just a few people. Because of the fact that they can't agree on anything. And they're so terrified about authority that they can't even accept authority towards the goal of liberating themselves. You're making yourself impotent and incapable of doing anything because the people who are all fascists are all working together. Now, freedom of expression and speech and assembly, freedom to own the means of one's own self-defense, a fundamental human right to avoid the government monopolizing force. We've already been over why the notion that we can stop the government's monopoly on force via force is ridiculous. Um, this document was the Constitution of the United States of America, this document has not failed us. We have failed this document. This document contains slavery. That's right. Slavery. Not abolished until much later. I'm tired of listening to people worship the, the Constitution as if it was this beautiful document, even though it did not do anything to, you know, to abolish slavery. You cannot have freedom 
were a document that's this holy document of freedom and have the ability to own other human beings. It's ridiculous. <sighs> she says it was created for brave, free, independent people to self-govern, I guess except for the slaves. We are no longer this people. We are a nation of cowards, a Western society of cowards who would accept the central state transforming our rights into privileges to be given out or revoked at the whim of the state. We've already been over why if there was no state, there would just be something else. You know, I remember one anarchist was giving me an example of like how anarchy could work, and his example was Somalia. Somalia! Have you ever been to Somalia? It's ruled by the people who have more guns than the other people. Once again, it's just a state all over again. Only this one has no reason to even pretend to be a state of the people, for the people, by the people. Now, as a society of urban and suburban dependents, we fight for the scraps off the table of our overlords in Western capitals. We no longer rightfully fear government and seek to constrain it. Rather, we embrace it. We ask for its favors and its forgiveness. We don't want to be urban and suburban dependents. We want everybody to be independent, and we want them to be able to do it through technological means, not by some ridiculous Ponzi scheme called the monetary system. Anyway, and the solution presented to us by the towers of intellect with the Venus Project is to once again embrace the failed centrally planned design society, to trust in the elites of the movement, the vanguard, to embrace yet another collectivist scheme, the hook, oh yes, to rid ourselves of money. Evil, evil money. That money which represents the fruits of our production and labor. Money doesn't represent anything. It's just paper. And the fact that the fiat fake currency system was able to motivate people to do all of the things that they're doing proves that you don't need rea any real motivation. You just need to be taken care of and people will do it. Now imagine that all that money that was spent on ridiculous, capitalist, self-serving, selfish ideas was instead served to find self-sustaining ideas and develop self-sustaining notions and technologies to liberate mankind from the need to work, from the need to have money. Then you'd have real freedom. Uh, that money, which represents the, that money which represents the fruits of our production and labor that serves as the medium of our exchange with one another, however polluted by the infla of inflation and taxation of central banks and national governments. Let's talk about, I'm going to say, let's talk about something that has been tried over and over again and proven to fail. The money system, okay? Watch the money masters. It provides some weird solutions, but it's a three-hour documentary about how many times the money system has been corrupted and corrupted and corrupted and corrupted. That's the point you don't understand. We've been trying to point out to you already, but you keep saying, well, you know, you're just communists and everything you're doing has been tried before again and again and again and again. The money system has been tried before again and again and again and again. Okay? So if we get out of the fiat currency that you say is the source of all the problems, even though the capitalist successes that you're bragging about wouldn't even exist without the fractional reserve system, okay, It'll just get corrupted again. That's been proven over and over again. It happens in communist systems. It happens in capitalist systems. It happens in monarchies. Somebody will hoodwink a means by which to take this money that doesn't even have any value outside of it being paper or one precious metal that sometimes didn't even have any practical uses, okay, 
so that they can therefore monopolize it and therefore monopolize the power. All you're doing is making a game where we play over basically what amounts to uh, poker chips, i.e. money, and your domination of the poker chips determines how much, mo- how much power you have. The power that you're so concerned about, the power to corrupt, comes from money. It's the reason that the republic system that you advocate, and you talk about blindly following utopia, the notion that you're ever going to get anybody elected in a system where there is no regulation about what you can do with money absolutely means that the very politicians that you want to elect to solve your problems will always, by their nature, be corrupt. How can you avoid that without regulation? Are you going to make political contributions illegal? Well, that would be a regulation, wouldn't it? Well, you can't have that in a free market society. So I guess that means you're just going to have to settle for corrupt politicians. Well, so thing, Go ahead. It's, uh, it's not even uh, the, you know, the uh, policies or the elitists. It's also those who just have uh, like greed uh, embedded in them. Uh, you know, like the Bernie, Bernie Madoffs of the world and whatnot, um, who find, you know, holes to, to uh, you know, uh, promote their personal gain, uh, you know, at the expense of how many? Like, pretty well, you know, the whole Ponzi scheme that Bernie Madoff was, uh, was working on is pretty well corrupted, uh, or sorry, not corrupted, uh, bankrupted uh, uh, the United States, you know, and it's like, you, you know, you, you can look for all the little holes that you want, but uh, the thing is, because it's an ever-evolving system, you can never, you can never uh, uh, plug them all up if you want. Um, and that's the thing, is that there's always going to be people who are out there to try and manipulate it in a way that's going to uh, profit them, and, uh, you know, to the, to the extent where, you know, I mean, it harms pretty well everyone on the planet, you know. It's, it's a very bad system, and it just promotes... Uh, so much greed, and, and, you know, there's better ways that we can do it, for sure. She says, shame. Shame on us in the West. We should, sh- we should stand in shame. The cowardly, spoiled children that we, ha- that we are, having inherited the legacy of our forefathers, of our founders, the slave owners, handed down to us from the minds and hands of giants, of free and brave men. The founding fathers were not giants. They were just people. I know that's difficult for people to understand. I went through my period of enshrining the Founding Fathers, too, when I was part of the Ron Paul movement. I studied with Senator Mike Gravel to find out the fact that it's just more corrupt people who were just trying to make sure that the elite controlled everything. That's the reason that there was no direct democracy system and approval of the Constitution, is that when they took the Constitution to be ratified by the actual people and not the elite, they didn't want slavery in it, Okay. No constitution of the United States would have been ratified with slavery in it if the people were consulted. So instead, they developed this bullshit delegate system, which amounted to the rich elite get to go approve the constitution. You have been lied to, okay? The constitution is a good start, but it was still a document created by the elite to protect themselves. The rest of it is just another Ponzi scheme. It's the same crap that you're trying to allege that the communists told everybody was going to work that didn't. And she quotes John Adams, the slave owner, again. Um, Jen says, I'm not about to engage in sophomore debates. You know, I don't, ha- I don't have time for sophomore debates either, but I thought you were soliciting a discussion from Union's Project's supporters. 
My mistake, but if you ever care to engage in educated discussion, seriously weighing pros and cons, then I'm good for a live discussion on the issues. Phone, radio, whatever, I'm confident in my position. Uh, somebody asked how to get in touch with her. Let's see what she says. Um, ben and Jen, I hope you didn't mind me addressing both of you. Um, quote, if the discussion involves what the, um, if the discussion involves what need does ownership serve? We have never in his, she says, whenever, never in history been able to meet all of people's needs before due to the lack of technology. So my friend, it couldn't possibly have been tried before in a way that we are discussing it on a global scale. The Venus Project is voluntary participation, so nobody would be taking ownership of anything claimed for ownership, such as your home, car. Then the Venus Project Society would be considered old-fashioned for cleaning and security. She's quoting somebody else. Um, then she says, then yes, it is sophomoric in the most literal sense of the word. It is something undergraduates discuss in their dorm rooms as they expose to the writings of Marx, Engels, etc. Wow. You know, I'm just going to repeat what the person in the chat said about this. That's really arrogant. I'm not going to say the word they used. Then she goes on to say, it is only when they have been to Lubekanya, to the mass graves in Cambodia, that they delve further into the nature of ownership what it means and what it represents, and of collective force, its vicious and inhuman power to destroy lives and societies under the euphemism of design. Design does not imply force. Anyway, until you've been to these places, the question is not one to discuss with like-minded friends. Uh, until you've seen the victims, the question is one for the late-night dormitory conversations. How about the victims of capitalism in Iraq? How about the victims of capitalism in Afghanistan? How about all the victims of capitalism and its wars perpetuated by the rich people in them and all the people who've been exterminated in the name of profit? How about those people? How about the mass graves of those people? Okay? And it goes beyond just the wars in Vietnam and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Okay? Read General Smedley Butler's book, War is a racket from a person who was there. You, you talk about going to these places and visiting these graves. I advise you to go talk, you know, to go read this book, okay? This guy knew what he was talking about. He predicted World War II, okay? In addition to the fact, okay, that he recalls very directly all of the wars that he was sent to in the name of capitalism in various places where companies manipulated Congress through that money system that you love so much that we don't want to regulate to send troops to secure things for United Fruit, for the oil interests, for the various corporations who wanted the, the resources of other countries and to take them by force. Now, she goes on to say, on this board we have former members of elite military units, we have constitutional fundamentalists and anti-state activists former members of elite military units. How about General Smedley Butler? Medal of Honor winner. Ask him some time about the effects of money and war. Now, we have those who have worked with refugees and evacuees. We have those who work in production and distribution and finance. We have emigrees from collectivist regimes. Uh, everyone is welcome, but questions such as yours will try the patience of those who have seen firsthand what happens in the collective design society. So in other words, you don't want to talk about it because she's not going to admit that it is what you think it is and therefore, you don't want to debate her because you really have nothing to go on. Um, 
She's still responding in the blog, but I'm just reading old posts. I don't. Jen said she made a new one, but anyway, she says, I wish you luck in your adventures in design. Never hesitate to comment or question. Fundamentally, your distrust of modern society, government, and political economy is a very good thing. You should be distrustful. You should be frightful, but the solutions you seek will not be found in the collective nor through the force design imperative. We don't suggest force or design. <clears throat> there is nothing wrong, even within libertarian ideals, of people willfully, willingly coming together as a collective, period. Let me break this down for you in concepts that might, you know, you want to talk about a transition, okay? Here's a transition for you, okay? We all know that people can live off the grid. And when you live off the grid, you have the capacity to take care of yourself entirely independent of the monetary system, okay? That's not debatable. It's true. People are doing it, okay? So, that being said, if one person decides to do that, becomes completely self-sufficient, that's one person out of the monetary system. Now, let's say two or three people decide to do that. Okay? What if those people decide to form a community willingly of, them, of their own and become self-sufficient? Maybe that community decides to build a solar power plant or a geothermal power plant so that their energy is self-sustaining, clean, and does not damage the environment. That whole relationship to the soil thing that you claimed you were going to have to resist this on, despite the fact that every one of Jacques Fresco's designs capitalizes on not damaging the environment. You left that part out, I suppose. And all of your studies that made you think you were qualified to make a sensationalist post on a blog somewhere when you don't even understand the basic fundamentals of what we're talking about. You want to tell us what we're talking about. Um, I advise you to get educated before you start talking like this. Because the funny thing is, is you may hurt a few people, but no intellectual is really going to get any value out of this because everything you've said is based on a total ignorance of the truth. Now, in any case, um, she has repeatedly told us that we're going to use force. She repeatedly is arguing with Mao and Stalin, you know, but we're not Mao and we're not Stalin. Uh, we're not communists. We have seen the flaws of communism. They're all stated as far as to what our differences with communism in are, you know, are on the website that you could have researched before you started making your ridiculous claims. Um, Barbed Wire Smile says, in other words, to allocate resources, not by price discovery or merit, because the price mechanism, as we've already pointed out, is a fallacy. It is just a means by which the elite can artificially gain more out of their resources than they give. Uh, by central planning, which resources do you allocate and to whom do you allocate them? From whom, in the absence of ownership, where is the incentive to preserve and or improve the resources? The incentive is there to improve and or uh, basically to preserve and or improve the resources in the need. It's that simple. It's very simple, actually. It's not that hard to recognize what it is that you need to order more of dependent on demand. You know, like if you're running a store, you can do this. You look at your stock, you evaluate the sales, and then, and mind you, you can do this without money, okay? You evaluate it through X resources have been taken out of my store. I need to order more resources. Then you get them. That's already being done by businesses right now, and they don't even have the uh, benefit of the fact that um, the store doesn't have to worry at that point about any price. 
And if there's a problem, here's the major difference, too, that Paradigm pointed out between communism and the Venus Project, is that in communism, you just equally distribute the resources, and you don't really concentrate as much on the issue of the scarcity of it. And then eventually, you lead to realizing, well, there's not enough resources, because you haven't applied science to make more resources. So I guess this elite group of people, they're going to get a little bit more than the people over here. Now, you claim that the capitalism system doesn't do that, but the capitalism system is doing that right now. Only the people who have a lot of money get, to, get the advantage of most of these technologies. Only the people who have a lot of money are guaranteed to be taken care of. Everybody else basically has to wrestle to find a way to be useful to those people who have all the money, to be a cog in the machine. And if you're not successful in finding a way to do that, well, then you're just unemployed. And don't give me this crap about starting your own business. You can't do that without capital either. And you certainly cannot compete with cartels. She says, this is what I mean. These are very basic one-on-one -on -one debates. They have been and have been countless times over the past several centuries. The answers are always the same. People wonderfully decide to share and distribute equally and end human suffering. That sounds very nice. It sounded nice when Lenin wrote about it. Have you read another irrelevant thing by Solzhen's whatever? Um, once again, did Lenin know anything about automation? Did Lenin know anything about um, hydroponic farms? Did Lenin know anything about uh, solar panels, um, geothermal, wind energy, tidal energy? Did Lenin know anything about um, applying science to the social method? Um, and if you read the book, you know, actually study. See, this is the thing. You keep telling us to study and that apparently we're ignorant and sophomoric, as you put it, but I doubt you have ever read The Best That Money Can't Buy, you know, the actual book on this subject. See, let's see. Jen had said to her, um, until you've seen these victims' questions, late-night dormitory conversations, she's like, well, I'm well out of college, an educated professional. You assume much about my life experiences without knowing a thing about me. You cannot speak to what I have seen or experienced in my life. Luck be yours, signing off, Jen. Barbed wire smile says, am I? Am I assuming too much? I think not. Have you seen the victims? You advocate a technological collectivist society absent money that has been advocated and attempted before, so this is a fair question. I don't need to look in any bodies to know that those people died, but I would hazard a guess you probably haven't been to Cambodia and seen the graves either. If for some reason you have, great. It's still not relevant. She says, have you seen them? Have you seen the piles of human hair? Have you seen tortured, dispirited human beings who have suffered through the design of the collective? Have you seen the skulls? Have you seen the scars? You know, in the book Addicted to War, uh, there's a U.S. Marine standing on a pile of bones. Uh, of the people there who resisted the local corporation's attempts to own all the resources in their country because they thought the resources might actually belong to their own country. She then says, these victims all have a few things in common. Their scars, both physical and mental, were given to them by other human beings in the name of the collective or in the name of profit. The master plan involves something other than private ownership. That's what sounds so beautiful in a book or treatise, once again enacted quickly, morphed into human horror. So what about the private ownership of, say, Iraq or Afghanistan, of their oil and resources? What about the Philippines when we raided them? What about the various countries that United Fruit has seen to it to make sure that they own? 
You see, that's the whole point. Your notion that private property is somehow this thing that's going to save you is ridiculous because the power structure is still owned by the people with all the money that you claim is the solution. So just like that time, as I said earlier, the gun did not liberate any of those people in the Philippines. It didn't liberate any of those people um, in Cambodia. It didn't liberate any of those people in the various South American countries and Central American countries that we have you know, have been exploiting. It didn't uh, liberate any of the people that we've exploited in Iraq. It didn't liberate any of the people that we've exploited in Iran. In fact, those are two excellent – not Iran, I'm sorry, Afghanistan, although we're going to Iran eventually, I imagine, if they figure out a way to motivate enough people to join the military – um, those firearms, in fact, the Iraqi insurgents actually had more weapons to their disposal, and for some reason they're still occupied. Now, um, and I've pointed out again, okay, the neoconservative movement is not the exception. It is the example of what takes place in capitalism after you've allowed corruption to take root. Corruption is inevitable when you exchange things in the means by which money suggests. As long as you have profit, that is the notion that you can get more out of something than you put into it, you will have corruption every time. You challenge and you say that supposedly what we've been trying has been tried over and over again before, what you've been trying has been tried over and over again before, and it's just going to continue in the same stupid perpetual cycle. We're not communists and we're not capitalists. Now, she says, ownership is the fundamental human right to one's own thoughts, words, and associates associates to one uh, the uh, to own the means of one's self-defense to own and be secure in one's home and possessions okay and if you think that the monetary system and the capitalist system that is designed that the only way you're going to own anything is if somehow you have made it more profitable to the people above you in the social caste don't be naive enough to think that that's not the case ask all of those people who don't who are homeless right now who were foreclosed on When these fundamental human rights of ownership have been taken away for whatever reason, well-intentioned cause, the result has been horror beyond that which one can understand if one has not seen it firsthand. So you're saying the only way we can understand it is if we go see it ourselves. Fine. I would like you to go to Iraq yourself and go look at the people who are being shot and killed there in the name of a few wealthy capitalists owning their oil. Then you will have... I guess, the right to an opinion, then you won't be a sophomoric. Still nothing. I imagine she's not going to be on today. Hello? Yeah, did you have a comment? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sophomoric. Interesting point. And actually going there is an interesting point, considering I'm, previous, I'm currently in previous military as well. Well, there you have it. Um, let me see. Any further on it? Yes, clearly what the Venus Project proposing is beyond your understanding. I guess so. That's what she said. Scrolling down. We've got about 12 minutes remaining in this show. I guess Peter Joseph is going to be doing his show immediately afterwards. Um, so I guess that's good timing. Um, I'm not finding any further comments from her, but, uh, okay, there we go. Uh, thank you, David. I'm listening to this radio show. 
Well, she's listening. All right, well, where do I email you? Where do I call you? You can email me at vtv at vradio.org. Um, in addition, my Skype name is vtv115. My phone number is... Uh, this. Okay. Um, now, I've been a bit more aggressive than I normally am in this show, and it's part of the reason is that I'm just getting a little bit tired of people who basically put together their half-assed opinions rather than drawing conclusions on the Venus Project. Um, it is my suggestion to people to become more and more actually educated before they start making these ridiculous um, extremist claims. You see, essentially, what they don't realize when they do stuff like this is that um, this is the kind of sensationalist propaganda that was practiced by the communists about the capitalists. It was practiced about the capitalists, um, you know, basically by the capitalists about the communists. Okay, if you don't actually understand the concepts, which it's clear you don't, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. All I'm asking you to do is to stop spreading disinformation and to actually really know what you're talking about or at least talk to somebody who does with an open mind before you go posting blogs talking about how evil we are because you posted three of the things we said on a forum without context before you were banned. Um, now, I would also point out, I don't know why you're banned, but our moderators don't ban people for disagreeing. We have people who come there and constructively disagree all the time. You are free to disagree with the Zeitgeist Movement and the Venus Project as much as you like. I'm a moderator, and in fact, if you're banned with, you know, without misbehaving, I'm, I will do something about it, or I'll resign as a moderator, okay? It's that simple. If you can constructively add to the conversation, you're free to think whatever you want. You're not thought police. However, we're also not going to subject ourselves to trolling. We're not going to subject ourselves to personal attack. We're not going to subject ourselves to anything along those lines because it's destructive. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help me. If you can debate in a way that is constructive, then you have nothing to fear from our moderators. Period. So, agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I was going to say, yeah, I absolutely agree. Come here and actually open up a debate with a reasonable point of view from behind it. Gladly. We'll talk. But if you just want to just start spouting away without actually looking into any information or researching or accepting that you might need to look into more about what's going on before you actually make a debate topic. You don't have a point of view from which to make a good debate topic, and therefore it is just nonsense and propaganda at that point. No, I agree with you totally and wholeheartedly. All right, well, um, I basically finished. There was only eight minutes left in the broadcast anyway. I know people are getting ready for Peter's stuff, so I'm going to go ahead and end this broadcast. Thank you to my callers. Thank you to the people listening. And um, uh, barbed wire, whatever, um, if you want to talk, I just posted my email on your blog. It's btv at vradio.org. 
to all of my listeners, um, please visit v-radio.org. If you'd like to donate, I'm only looking at like $8 left for my goal for the month. Once again, for those of you who ask, uh, the donations only go to maintaining my Internet and my Skype um, and sometimes my headsets and microphones and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why I cap it off at what I do every month because that's roughly what I spend on it every month. And I just got to a point, thanks to the capitalist economy here in Michigan, that uh, found ways to eliminate the need for the workforce. Um, there's no jobs around here, and um, we sustain ourselves on a single Burger King job which I would be ashamed of if it weren't for the fact that most of my friends, including the college-educated ones, before everybody pipes up to get an education, are either unemployed or living with their parents and unemployed. And I'm talking about 30-year-old, 40, you know, 30-year-old men living with their parents. Not joking. And because my wife and I don't have any family, we kind of have to stick here and hope that we can make a living in what's left of the destruction here in the capitalist system. And I would also point out that I don't advocate socialism because they tried to patch the problem here in Michigan with socialism and it nearly shut down the government of the state. Um, I think that the time has come to rise above money. I think the time has come to rise above this notion that some people should have more than others and that some people should be able to use force or coercion to make them pay to live. Okay? You're here. So... Thank you for tuning in to V Radio. Uh, I look forward to Peter's broadcast. I hopefully will see you all there. Take care.